0: Welcome to Startups and Your Health, where business meets well-being. Featuring Jordan Abakasis, founder and CEO of Atom Rehabilitation, a leader in cutting-edge postural restoration frameworks and equipment, and Dan Gudima, a serial entrepreneur and tech startup expert with over 30 years in software development. We're here to tackle the health challenges entrepreneurs face while building startups. From physical to emotional health, we've got you covered with actionable insights that you can implement today. Don't sacrifice your well-being for success.
1: Let's get started.
0: All right, so welcome back. I am super excited here to have you guys today listening um, to both myself and Dan, but this time with a special guest, Mr. Logan Skies. He is a Marine veteran, fractional COO and entrepreneur. And today we're going to talk about business leadership, business acumen, and how processing all of this and running a team yourself requires you to take care of your health. All right. So I think that um, we can kind of start along the lines of what we define a good leader as. Right. Gotcha. Dan, Dan, what do you what would you think a, a so, qualifies as a good leader?
1: You know, I, I can't tell you what's a good leader, but I have people that work for me that need to lose weight, that have issues. I, I would say, you know, being able to communicate. And get people to effectively do what they need to do is a good is a great leader and and doing it in a way where you don't. I've had I've had leaders above me that were absolutely insane. I won't say their names, and doing it in a way where you still maintain respect without you know, you know without being feared. Let's put it this way. But getting yeah. something done, getting people to get something done. Um, I also have a quote. I want this when you were starting. I had a good quote. I reminded me of. That uh, with my wife, I never start a sentence with "you should." <laughs> anyway, well, what, what do you what do you recommend starting with then? Well, if, no, no. If, I mean, so, not... and this is, could be true for employees as well. I never say "you should." I say, "Here's an article of somebody else that lost weight. Here's here's somebody that found a methodology. Look at this article. They found a method to really change their diet or change whatever whatever it is." I I try to give people real life examples. I'm just saying, your my wife and I relationship is a similar, and both she and I don't like to be told what to do. So, it's easier to consume information from a third party source example than to be told what to do. So, mm-hmm. uh, Logan, what's your thoughts on that? Just telling people what to do. I know if you're their boss and leader, that you you may do that, but but is this? Am I am I just a passive aggressive tech guy?
2: No, I wouldn't say you're a passive-aggressive tech guy. I think you're actually on to something. Uh, I'm in the servant leadership camp. And part of that is enabling the agency of your team members. You know, yeah, building a high-performance team culture requires that every individual shows up wanting to do the best work of their career, or at the very least, great work. And you're never going to get great work if people feel obligated towards it people have to feel something beyond the economic exchange beyond the sense of obligation to go to that next level of performance so i'm going to plug you in
0: right there because I, i want you to continue on this logan how do you build or train someone to provide that type of intrinsic leader value towards your company as a leader, following through, how do you how do you pull that out of someone to get that type of value towards your brand or your company or your vision?
2: Hmm. You know, they say simplifying is probably one of the hardest things, so I'll, I'll do my best to make <laughs> it concise <laughs> and simple. But I, I think it's a good question, Jordan. Self interest is a powerful driver of action, so. As, a, as an employer, a manager, a leader, if you're seeking to, to, to build up your direct reports, your team members, to, to help them realize more of that potential and see that their current role isn't their maximum potential, that there's always room for growth in any organization at any time if you can see the right trajectory, if you can follow the right path. And a lot of times that people have to make their own path so that Connect to the self-interest is something that I make efforts to do in my own practice, in my clients' businesses, in my teams, because if someone sees the vision of their career unfolding in uh, in concert, in parallel with that of the team and the organization, then they know that I'm showing up to do tasks, to make an impact on projects, to move the needle for this, for this organization, but that's simultaneously reaching my personal ambitions and objectives. So that self-reinforcing cycle is the is the ideal in my view.
1: I love that. Hey, can I give you an interesting example that happened early in my career? Because I was given, I was like in my mid-20s when I first got my first five, six-person team reporting to them. And, and so a lot of it was innate for me, but yeah. I actually seen situation. Well, what I would always do in my, one case, I was working at the phone company and we were in charge of the intranet. But there was another team in charge of the website. I find that I found by motivating my team to have a better internet, nicer, better, more sophisticated, better than the external part. This became Verizon Wireless, better internet than the internet. So we made it better. My team was motivated to make it better, and they did, and they were competitive. And it got the other external team upset. And that was really our motivating factor. So I I found that these competitive, Forces that really people enjoyed in competing. That's how I found with my team early teams. we 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 it's we weren't playing games. We were just finding ways for people to succeed that we wanted people want success, right? Logan, I mean that's how I looked at it and and
0: and to to even further on that, I think early success and and early, you know, the, giving that dopamine rush back to the individual as soon as possible to show them not only the feasibility, but to bring awareness to their advancement as early or as minuscule as it might be, any type of awarding complex that that can be provided immediately, allow someone to understand that like, hey, you have not only room to grow, but you're going to be awarded when you learn and complimented and recognized and brought awareness to the overall vision that they are satisfying, you know, what we are all looking to do, whether your business is in finance and software and health and tech, whatever it may be, there is a goal to help people, the businesses that are billion dollar businesses help others, right? At the end of the day, you might provide a service, you might provide equipment, you might provide a contract or work, whatever it may be, but you're helping solve a problem to somebody. And by helping them and giving those small rewards even though let's say it's a hundred task list if you can provide that dopamine rush on every single one you're going to be better than not because it's the same dog psychology for every five yeses it equals or even 10 yeses it equals out to one no so you really have to minimize the negatives and and really go above and beyond with the praise and awareness to follow suit. And I think that's super impactful when when you have a team I'll, I'll lead with my example as to how I acquired most of my team and the individuals that are representing my brand and my product at Adam Rehabilitation. We we change lives. You know, the the reality is, is I've I've taken individuals that have been in chronic pain for 10, 15 years with that have been doing the injections, they've been doing the massaging, they've been doing all the traditional things that their doctor tells them to do and they just don't see the results. But rather when I find someone, and some, or someone rather finds me and sees what we do and experiences what we do and what we provide, we change their lives. And my team has experienced, most of my team has experienced some significant level of relief through my own system. Now they have their own intrinsic values, their own intrinsic stories that they can express in the, and to go ahead and to spread the benefits on with others that may be similar like them. I think it's super important that we that we all have a very powerful and and awarding system. Now, most of uh, what what I wanted to talk about today was, of course, leadership and health. Logan, um, at your busiest, how many hours a week were you working? A <laughs> hundred, right? I think we're we're all in that twelve-hour boot camp seven days a week, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think
1: that's for most of us. <laughs> L- L- Logan, are you working right. in the business right now or now?
2: Logan. I currently own a company called Valdeon Enterprises. We've been in operation since 2019, towards the end of the year. So we're uh, reaching that five-year mark. I suppose we're, we're on the, uh, the runway towards that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, we've had a lot of fun. Along the way, some challenges. We're a, a company that, in a lot of ways, is born right into the COVID lockdowns. So uh, adaptability, health, resilience uh, is, is something that's core to the DNA of what we do.
1: Hey, can I can I mention that and and just let Logan know this? So i I've been in I have been involved with the largest speed dating company in the country. I co founded it in the year uh, in two thousand one. But this year, about a year ago, my wife took over the business after the pandemic and she's been building it back, growing very fast. This is why I probably will put in 20 hours this weekend with her on her business. Um, hiring, she has over 50 employees right now and she's growing day to day. Really a high growth business. And it's like a dopamine, you know, like she told me she's very happy. Like she doesn't care if she's working 40. You know? I mean, she cares that she's like, is like she needs a whole day to sleep to get to recover. <laughs> but like there's a dopamine to that startup that's like growing so fast and so much potential that like uh, it's hard to stop. We we can't we're having a hard time stopping at like 10 p.m. Like we have she takes off a day now. OK, <laughs> that's what's happening. But like when you're in that growth period of a t- startup like that, it can be like that, you know. So I'm a little concerned. I'm trying to get her to be a little bit more healthy because she'll just lock herself in and then that's it, you know? And,
0: and for someone like yourself, Logan, you know, I'll, I'll let you carry on with your own experience with your time management from there. Um, but I really want, you know, uh, let I would like to hear your experience as the, the busiest time of your life, you know, building this and what your emotions were going through it and how you felt.
2: Hmm. So the busiest time in my life uh, emulates a lot of what Dan is saying you know, working ten hours straight, working, or having a hard time stopping at ten p.m. Um, and my my words, not Dan's, but right, having no limit for how much you'll work until you you're being scooped off of your desk and you're just kind of pouring yourself into bed and getting back up and doing it again on that that grind wheel. So when I think back over the last ten plus years since I got out of the Marines, uh, and have been working in the private sector in various capacities. The time that was the most intense for the longest sustained period was when I was a co-founder at trainer space, investor back to Gym and Boca Raton. And when we were finishing the construction of that and in the initial launch phase, it seemed like we went weeks and months, without any break just weekends weeks you know you say you work 7 days in a row but are you know but you don't take weekends off ends up like just working weeks and months straight and that's kind of what we did showed up before the sun came up left after it went down had food brought in uh, so that was that was the most intense period of time and i think that did contribute to burnout over the years uh, now when we launched Valdeon uh, having some of those experiences not just in trainer space but uh, a priority of mine and of my co-founders was to build a healthy high-performance culture, in realizing that launching anything new requires a number of iterations and and cycles of deployment and adjustment. So it's not a necessarily a all-sprint game. It's a process of learning and observation. Uh, so we've I, something that's just been core since I launched this company was the long road. The planning horizon for me was over the span of many years and wanting to, to not be burnt out and not be exhausted. So we've gone through a number of sprints where there's late nights, early mornings, no weekend. But when we do that, I, I do my best to go into that intentionally, kind of like holding your breath, right? You take a big breath beforehand, you go in and after you catch up. So I'm, I try to keep that healthy baseline uh, because I want to be in the game this time next year, performing even better than I am now. And if I'm just constantly burning it out then you know that's that's not a recipe for long-term success in my view Can, can i mention
1: something interesting i noticed that you know i at least during this last year that my wife was doing this this intensity and we're slowing down now i had to find we have had to both find something um we both had to find something to do like for instance i've been biking i i cannot i have to go biking if I don't do something like and can disconnect biking out there, she was working the garden. So there, just, we had, a, we had, just naturally human beings cannot just be locked in indefinitely to these things. And we have to have something we do. It's a lifestyle balance. Yeah. I mean, it's the
0: same thing with like the 80 20 rule of dieting, right? Nobody's it, it. When you go balls to the wall, and you are just overtly maxed out, right? Funny term for a podcast, right? Or whatever. That's what um, the name of the th- right. That's, what that's- the name the th- <laughs> Yeah, balls to the wall, right? <laughs> so, um, when we, when we, when when you go all out, right, and you sacrifice so much, it's it's the same thing with these elimination diets. Um, and no, like no harm, no foul. But as long as we understand the repercussions of it, uh, uh, that it's not long term sustainable. Right. The 80-20 rule is that if you stay on track 80 percent of the time and you fall off track 20 percent of the time, you'll still see improvements. Right. That's the that's the idea here. And I think it's the same thing. And, you know, Logan, in hindsight, I'm sure I'm going to ask you, you know, what you have now or what you've learned in the process of this. But it's it's about taking care of yourself in the process in order to guarantee success in the long run. Right. That 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 event horizon. That timeline that you extend out, like stop thinking one year, stop even thinking three year, but a 10-year sustainable plan that you can actually commit to long term. Because if anybody is going to sit here and tell you it's going to take you less than five years to build an incredible business, they lied to you. It's going to take you five years to figure out how to sell your stuff. <laughs> All right. Number one. um, and And you know, Logan and understanding you have put in these practices now, right? You've, you, you recognize the burnout, you rec- you, you went through the overdrive, you went through the balls to the wall phase. Okay. You know, just as though many of you who are listening to this are not going to listen to me at all. That's okay. Because as part of the entrepreneurial journey, you're going to have to figure this out for yourself anyway, if you want to be successful, but what, if, if you could provide some actionable steps, or and and ways that someone can improve this. What would they be? You know, what do you guys do in order to prevent this type of level of you know anxiety-ridden type of work morning to night phase? What 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 practices do you have implemented now to keep you guys focused and on track long term?
2: It's a good question, Jordan. The perspective is if first to be realistic. Nothing in nature goes 100% all the time, nothing. Not even machines, not, you know, you floor, you put a, a car pedal down to the floor, you're only gonna be able to do that for so long, even on a track, right, the engine will blow. So nothing in reality can go at 100% full time but that doesn't you know it, it, but it doesn't mean that the opposite is true where everything can be kumbaya we're just going to show up when we want to and there's no timelines and there's this like laxadaisical thing that's that's equally not as helpful as the culture you described a minute ago of this burnout hyper anxious sort of sort of space it's that's fight or flight and the other way is nothing gets done so the the i think the first idea that i from my view is to recognize there's balance. In nature, there's extremes. There's times in business, if you're not extreme, you're not competitive. If you're not willing to get a little obsessed or a lot obsessed for a period of time, you are you may not make it, right? If We all know, we're all sitting here, we know what it takes to get something to life from your head to the real world and get other people around that on a team to convince people that it's the right solution for their problem. That takes serious work. So there's extremes to that. Uh, just like a blizzard is extreme or a hurricane is extreme. Those things have to manifest themselves. But the, I think the issue, the, the like not maybe not pathology, but the, the, the glitch in some entrepreneurs' minds is that they fail to implement something that I like to think of as the limit of advance. And for example, in the Marine Infantry, we have a concept called the LOA, the limit of advance. So if we're going to raid a village beforehand, we're looking at a map and we draw a line a little bit outside of the village and say, at this canal or at this tree line, no matter what happens, even if we are wildly successful, we've got them on the run, we've got momentum, we're going to stop at this line and consolidate. And if then if we decide we want to keep sprinting forward, if we want to pursue, then we're going to do so. So I think that that synapse in entrepreneurs' minds may not be there unless they've gone through the pain of not doing it for long enough and and have going through the, the subsequent breakdown that can often occur of going 100% for too long. They have to learn through experience. I think most entrepreneurs are in that camp as, as well, hard for learners. Sure. Uh, but it's, you said they may not listen to you. But, so that's that's my thinking is to have a limit of advance to say listen guys we got to go balls to the wall on this it's very important it's critical there's a massive opportunity here this is the time for us to do the best work of our careers but this isn't going to be the way of life forever we've got a we got to work all night or we got to work all weekend we got to work for the next six weeks on a client project but there's a there's got the there's got to be that limit of advance and if you want to continue going balls to the wall for that Everyone comes to terms with that again for another sprint, so I think that, that is so key to me, man. That's that's key. How, uh, you know, and, and just you know, th- this is going to differ on
0: every business, um, and I'm going to ask Dan first. You know, number one, do you have a system like this to 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 consolidate after a project? Um, you know, you have a project deadline. You have it. You have a term. You have you have you have a you have a state. How how long is a typical project for you, Dan?
1: It uh, depends on. I have several different businesses. In the in the SEO business, there's like these three to four day cycles. It all has to be done. Um, and then once that, you know, we we have a couple clients that we're in motion with now. And there's onboarding. There's there's a process. There's there's sales closure, onboarding, uh, deployment, a little QA, reporting. So there's like a five day cycle. And some of it will close up today. There's a couple closing things today in that business. And I have this business, we have four or five part time people working with me, uh, SEO business. Um, but it's the same thing as, as, you know, Logan was saying that like we, we hit the, uh, we, we close that piece and then we're, you know, we made mistakes in this business. We moved on too quickly to new clients and, um, I studied with Dan Dan Martell at SaaS Academy. I don't know if you've heard of that, guys. I yeah. studied with it for a few months, and he was saying, he was saying for SaaS, this is a SaaS product. He was saying uh, one thing is sales; that's one important uh, uh, KPI. Second, one one is like contacts. Second, or leads. Second is sales, and the third thing is anyway. The third thing was the report a month later. He was saying nothing matters except the report a month later. That was like a new thing for me to learn because I'm a tech guy. I'm like, so the report a month later is the most important part of the process. And he was right, because we didn't focus on that and we were having a high attrition. So mm-hmm. this is a really important like lesson for me in that that the the customer service was the most important part. The 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 feedback was the most important part because they had some stat, like if on the 30th day, the report came back and the customer was happy, they would stay for like 36 months. Hmm. So, you That's know, that was not something I learned on my own. They they they, they told us this. <laughs> I should have learned that. <laughs> Logan, on, on average, how long are your projects
0: that you do in, independently or for, through I'm Sorry.
2: Sure. So my last project was just shy of a year and a half where I was a fractional COO with a client who owns a functional medicine practice in Boca and uh, worked with them uh, through getting acquired by a nationwide group called Form Health and uh, supported on the back end uh, during the integration and such. So the big projects look like uh, over a year and uh, smaller projects for strategic planning and setting foundational business architecture in place uh, can look like six to eight weeks wow. with nice. a maintenance period thereafter.
0: I, I've personally been involved with and been fortunate enough to have have many mentors along you know my startup journey. I'm relatively new right now. I mean, my business has only been incorporated for a little over a year now. And setting... These timeline goals, um, we didn't call them LOAs, but now I'm changing all of my things to LOAs and the podcast name is definitely going to be balls to the wall today. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> because as somebody who has been through those hundred hour work weeks and continues to um, perform at very high intensities uh, across the, the show, the um, I, I have been advised to take a step away to achieve these project timeline goals and then to reconsolidate and to continue to test and then review and then to test again and to review depending on different sections. I mean, I have I have five or six income arms in, in my own business. So there's multiple teams with multiple moving parts that all need to kind of coordinate together and they all have their own Individual styled uh, project timelines as to what we want to go ahead and achieve, and now all of those project timelines will be shortcutted once we can do an A/B test on that parameter, reconsolidate to then move forward. Because I love this; I think that was so incredibly valuable to 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 be able to to organize and restructure, and then, then to take a step away to regroup with the team uh, with something valuable. And I'm on the side of if you don't have anything valuable to say in the room, leave the room. You know, if, if it's not anything that we, we have conclusive evidence and where we can practice and move forward on, then we need to continue on with the project until we can reconsolidate something substantial. So for all of those who may be listening and you guys are having Tim meetings once a week and talking about absolutely nothing substantial, you may need to go ahead and change that over to a simple email Get out of your meetings and then reconsolidate once you actually have something substantial that you can regroup and go over to where you can either improve, perfect, or continue on to the next thing. Whatever I mean, right? <laughs> I,
1: you know, I have a question for Logan in that you know, for you know, I see a lot of startups where they work their butts off, they work round the clock, but they're not working. I I mean, I could show you a dozen because I I ran a pitch event here in Boca where five hundred startups pitch, and I got to know all those entrepreneurs. I've seen more time wasted by entrepreneurs in the last 10 years than anything. Um, a lot of it is their inability. They get obsessed with a certain focus and they're not able to get a view from the outside, I guess. You know, they they get their focus and they drill down and they're working. they're working 80 hours a week. But at the end of it all, that market wasn't there or that thing wasn't there or there wasn't even a, you know. They they made themselves the the product market fit, not the market. So there's a lot of wasted time, and this is the health issues we see with the. And then what they do is they they fail, and they just do another startup. That's what I see often happen, right? Because he's been to the pitch events, and it's very hard for technology people because Logan, you you're not a tech guy. I can sense that you're just you're you come from a different. You know, one thing's military. But the tech guys, they get obsessed with certain problem solution and they don't look at the market. And then they 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 get, they get can hurt themselves because they think they know what they're doing and they're just not able to really get that outside view. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know, because you come in, I'll just say this, look at every, they say this, every job you go on, whether you're the COO, CEO, or the tech guy at the bottom, it's always a mess when you arrive, right? It's always messed up. You're like, this is just not great. The files are out of order. The text all messed. The organization's a mess because I had to take over something this summer like that. And I got to redo it, get it all lined up, get it all corrected. I mean, isn't that the truth about any job you get on? You just brought back a core memory for Logan. Yeah. uh... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> when you arrive, it had to be done, whatever it is. In in the tech world, it's the same thing with the system. This is not the right system. This is antiquated. That thing's broken. I I went to work at NTT Corp, and there was a website called whois.net. I was the web manager there. And I'm like, who's in charge of that? And it's broken. I'm like, that's like a multimillion-dollar site. Why is it broken? What is going on here? So, like, every job I've been on is the same, whether I went to corporate America or... i took over i can't get into it but i took over hundreds of facebook groups this summer but we'll that's the whole story but it was a mess too i had to fix i spent the whole summer fixing that stuff up
2: so the question is around
1: well founders how you know how do we keep these entrepreneurs we're about to have a pitch event in in about two months about a month less than a month and we'll meet these more i'm meeting three or four entrepreneurs that are pitching they have their passion, but they can be misguided. Like, how do we get these people to put in the right amount of time and the and the right amount of energy, and not to kill themselves over their passion when the passion just doesn't make the money? You know, hmm. that's the question, right there. Is how do I, you know, because I'm I'm very subtle. I don't, I'm not blunt and, and obnoxious. That's not my style. Style. I'm supportive, but like I had a guy once walk in my office and say about ten years ago and say. I created a nonprofit startup. I'm like, okay, it's a portal for nonprofits. And he shows it to me. And I go, well, how much have you spent? He goes, 350,000. I'm like, on what? What am I looking at here? Like, why would anyone even pay? Did you think you're going to make money in nonprofits? I wasn't nasty at him. I was just like, this is at first someone says to me, the startups are not in the nonprofit world. I go, stop, get out. (laughs) That's the
0: first thing I say is just don't. So I I think to be, you know, uh, you know, In your experience and and Mm -hmm. how you and how you view this, Logan, is how do you take someone who's an innovator and turn them into a CEO to build a revenue driving business? You know, what are the what are the first actionable key implementations that you that you believe someone should take? to get away from the endless planning and into into revenue driving business.
1: It, it let's just say it's easy to just go to work as a coder, just coding. It's easy. That's easy. That's what they like.
2: Right? It's a good question. <laughs> I'm qualified only to speak on my own direct experience and observations. So I'll share yeah. from that point of view. Yeah. Dan, I hear what you're saying loud and clear. <laughs> no, I think the the it's important to remember that a few basics, I, I do my best to make decisions based on principles. So when I when I hear what you're talking about now, I think there's there's key principles that need to be baked into the brain. That's the way I see it for myself. the the, the fundamentals. No one ever rises to the occasion. No one's ever going to be this superhero founder. Everyone defaults to their baseline. In the Marine Corps, we say, there, th- you never rise to the occasion, you fall back to your training. So if the fundamentals of some of the absolute like day one basics aren't seared into your brain on just a, on a loop, like if you build it, they will come is a fallacy. Like never do that. Always get outside of the building. Connect to people. You know, if you're in an echo chamber alone and working nonstop on a solution to be in search of a problem, you're in trouble. You know, th- those like base core ideas uh, uh, are so critical. Um, validating the problem solution fit as early as you can, as fast and as cheaply as you can. Some of those basics. So that's, that's my initial response is to be market driven from the earliest days. Because um, no matter how amazing the solution is, if you can't tap into a traffic source, a demand source, you can't actually um, connect to people that are seeking, going to be those customers, right? You have a hobby, not a business. So let's, let's,
0: let's, let's evaluate that for anybody who, who may be listening to this, that hasn't necessarily started, um, building revenue. And, and you may think that this is trivial, but I highly encourage you to listen to this closely. Market validation is what will bring you money. You have to go out and find out if your problem that you're solving is actually something that people will pay for. And you have to find those people. You have to go out and establish that. And it may take you a month, two months, and three months of testing because in that time you're going to be learning and redefining not only your offer, but to the... Target persona or your real dream customer and who they really are and what and you'll learn in this process who and what you actually do. It took me a long time to figure out that I am a postural restoration um, company. I fix posture, and and I'll I'll go off of my experience. So, my mom has rheumatoid arthritis and a couple of other mixed connective tissue disorders as well as some hypermobility. So I created the Atom Performance System to stabilize her body, but to give her a way to exercise without having to use her hands and her wrists. Why? Because her hands were crippled, you know, she was having some problems. So I originally called it like the first hands-free brace, right? No market validation done at this point yet. None at all. Well, Nobody cares about a hands-free brace. Nobody has any clue at any wherewithal about what that even means or why it's even important for them, right? Well I, well, I said, well, you don't have to use your hands to strengthen your shoulders or to get rid of your shoulder pain or your neck pain. I was like, oh, duh. I, it's, Nobody cares about that, but they care about the fact that it'll help their shoulders. So I switched over from like a hands-free brace to um, this injury prevention brace or pain management brace that helps with neck and shoulder pain. But even at that, there was still a disconnect. They didn't understand this whole bracing technique, stabilization, very complicated type of lingo. And it just didn't resonate with the customer or the the dream audience. But we went above and beyond just neck and shoulder pain management because I helped develop and strengthen muscles that keep people upright, that help support you all together. And in that process, we actually end up eliminating or restoring neck and shoulder function and eliminating the pain that's associated with it. And of course, there's a lot of science that behind it, but at the end of the day, I fix someone's posture, and by fixing their posture, I am able to alleviate their aches and pains. I'm a, I, I, I provide them with injury prevention techniques because it pulls their body and strengthens the muscles and creates a rhythm within the body in order for them to achieve what they're looking to get out of life for whatever their goals are if they're the weekend warrior, the athlete, the strength lifter, the physical therapist who's treating clients, whoever it may be, they are restoring their posture and by restoring their posture they achieve x y and z goals what they're looking to get out of. And it took me 10 months after 4 years of R&D to understand that and it wouldn't have been and the reason why that short timeline right there is because I went through so much market validation and talking to people for the first time, I just got product in in February to understand kind of like the timeline here. You know, I was in pre-orders, whatever, in November, but I got product in in February of 2023. And that's when my real market validation began as I tried to begin to sell because I came across all of these issues with my the way I verbalized my solution. And, and and without my customer feedback and the people's feedback as to how and they how they viewed words how they resonated with certain things how they understood certain things I wouldn't be where i'm where I am today with you know over 40 clinics currently using my system and you know over you know we've got over 450 people that have tried and utilized and seen benefits with the with the system it all came back from understanding what my dream customer is wanted and what they resonated with and how they responded to that type of not only message but also the the overall care that i provided to them it was imperative for my success
1: hey hey jordan i i do have a question for logan because this is kind of a silly thing i you know my older son is 15 and my younger one's 13 and i'm always looking to motivate them so like talking about people and motivation i i heard a I, somewhere I heard a Marine uh, you know, boot camp sergeant say that he was not looking for successful people. He was looking for average people to bring in to his group, right, to recruit. He could, he could take an average person out there who's unmotivated and he gives him, he said he used the word, he gives him loci of action, meaning he teaches that person to take action, to take action in their life. And like, I look at my older son, I want to know, how do I translate that to my older son? (laughs) Like, a lot of parents have these issues with their kids. Like, how do I, you know, I I understood what he was talking about. But like, how do I, you know, do that with my employees? How do I do that with my son? Like, I, I, I heard him talk about it and he does it and he gets them from this point. In the boot camp training to the other point. But what are we really talking about here, Logan?
2: Maybe you could give me some insight here. <laughs> I have a 15 month old daughter. So I, I'm not yet qualified to speak yeah. about having a teenage uh, son, but I yeah. have led a squad of 12 infantry Marines and uh, I do have some background in that, uh, bringing young men together to accomplish demanding tasks and not all of them have the best attitude at all times. So keeping all of that uh, worked out is something I can speak on. Uh, Earlier when we opened the discussion, Dan, your response uh, about the social competitiveness uh, was was really well uh, taken, but also what Jordan said regarding the dopamine and reward feedback system. We we each illuminated a a piece of this puzzle of um, self-interest, and of a sense of belonging I may be stretching there but belonging is key competitiveness is key and that rewards having actual success for your efforts is key. so if, if those are those are the uh, variables or some of the criteria to consider uh, so in my experience with young men it's there's a there's a, a I always hook in to the self-interest first and foremost young men have ambition in some capacity, whether it's to get a high score in call of duty or to, you know, to get into a new school, it it can be in any domain. Men and people in general have a drive inside to move forward in life. Even if it's, if that, some of it is like a, a bonfire, some of it's like a, you know, a spark, but whatever level it is, that's, I guess, where that looking for an average level person is may be because, uh, you can, you can channel that and you can fan the flames and enforce that. If you have a reward mechanism in play, you've got a purpose that not just aligns with self-interest. In the case of a Marine, a big uh, driver is to earn the Eagle Globe and Anchor, to be considered a part of the brotherhood that very, very few, uh, a small percentage of the population will ever have that that, uh, title, that belonging to the brotherhood. So there's a there's a drive at an intrinsic level. There's a social level. You're with a team. You never want to be the guy to lat the team down. You don't want to be the last guy to cross the the finish line. And then if you actually make it, you're you're the victor, right? And you're recognized amongst your peers for that. So there's all sorts of of each of those variables are feeding into that system. Uh, so uh, I'll round it out by saying that my personal belief, I've talked a lot about the maintaining harmony and balance and a healthy baseline for the long term. But for young men in particular, for, for myself, and I look back at 18, the best possible thing I ever did for myself was enlist because it it required me to go through very physically intense, demanding nonstop times of training and being very uncomfortable. And I think when when young men go through specifically that, that a coming of age ritual, which in this society we don't really have that. It's like you're a boy, then you're a teenager, then go to college and join the workplace. Throughout human history, there's always been a coming of age ritual where men recognize a new man joining the tribe. You're not, you're no longer a boy. You're a man. That 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 is in, internally baked within us to be recognized amongst men. So when they're in a part of being a man in a traditional sense, is to be strong, is to be capable, is to be reliable, and is to be seen by other men. So uh, when I think of a, a younger boy, a, you know, a teenager, that is that threshold where they're, they're, the coming-of-age piece is baked in at a DNA level, at a primal level. So to, to build in some of those factors of self-interest, what is his ambition and align those, those action, that locus of action thing you're talking about and bake in some physical training to get strong with a sense of belonging and community that's working towards something bigger than just themselves as individuals. That's the recipe that I would hypothesize to go into to you, doing it. You know, see you, how that you works.
1: bring up an interesting area for, that is in my mind. I mean, I was, I mean, I was bar mitzvahed. Were you bar mitzvahed now? No, you know, Jordan, and my sons were not bar mitzvah. My wife's not Jewish, but you know, Jordan, maybe we, you should come with me with my sons, and maybe we should all go to Chabad. You should come with me. Let's Cause, go, because this is important. It was important. This is my becoming a man. This is it, Logan. I was bar mitzvah. I had to learn a thing and get in front of the crowd and give a speech. I mean, it was a very hippie-ish place, but but. but but it was important in my in my experience, and and I've repeated that I was in a fraternity. I graduated from high school, college, lead goal scorer in soccer. I had a bunch of young things I did, but uh, the one thing I will mention is my older son is a very successful artist. You're 15. He sold over 50 paintings. Um, he's done a, he's done like a dozen shows, and we keep promoting him to do it, and he loves it, and he and that's his thing. You know, that's that's the thing that. You know keeps him motivated, um, and he's a terrific artist. So, so I, I I focus in on that. You know, but but I'm starting to think that you know because my younger son said, "Hey, you're Jewish. I probably need a bar mitzvah too." What's going on here? So my younger son's the first one to kind of question. My older son doesn't question anything, but my younger son kind of brought it up, and I'm like, "Well, you know, not going to happen." But um, but you know, actually, uh, Jordan, you may be making a journey with us. Jordan, yeah, Jordan's never been through that journey, and he's got a Jewish father. So I, I am an Israeli American. <laughs> yeah, so um, he, he could yeah. he could benefit. But, but there is <clears throat> Logan. There is that becoming a man is that process. It doesn't matter what your age is. It, yep. The the bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah is a becoming an adult process. That's that one. When I was in um when I was in Turkey in Istanbul, they have it their own. They go they're fourteen or fifteen. There's another. They, they were all, I saw them. I don't want to tell you what happens, but they're all the men were all the young boys were lined up with, with like prince outfits. On. I don't know what was going to happen next. <laughs> I don't think it was good. <laughs> but they were in a, they were going through a, a, a manhood <laughs> kind of ceremony in, you know, in Islam, in, in, in Turkey. I saw that they're all like, it was like 300 boys were walking down the street together. So there's that, that's a thing that happens in a lot of cultures. Or yes. confirm confirmation if you're Christian. So there's different, you know. Those are really important. I'm I'm recognizing that <clears throat> something that I may have missed with my sons. I have to think about. Uh, I I think that you know, the
0: conversation today what is is so helpful. I I I can't wait to go back and listen to this myself and to and to hear a double take because I think both of you provided such insight into your own experiences that that it it really helps young individuals who might not have the ability to acquire a mentor or to know where to look and, and to have both of you guys share your experiences. You know, I'm incredibly grateful. Now, we do talk a lot about we talk we spoke a lot about business today, a lot of business strategy and things. And, you know, Logan, from a professional fitness background yourself, what's your typical fitness routine now as a fractional COO?
2: Good question. I, over the years of training and facilitating a movement practice for others, I learned, I went through a number of phases in my thinking of what's ideal. And the, the, I was a trainer uh, since 2014 and was involved with facilitating training within the Marine Corps as well. So uh, since 2010, I've been in that sort of fit regular training headspace. And where I've landed now is that the the primary objective for me is longevity, and it's to uh, maintain effective, pain-free function for the long term. And uh, a piece of that is in always feeling better after I leave the the gym or the training session than when I went into it, even if it was extremely hard. And um, to to cultivate a an exercise routine or a movement practice that pulls me towards it instead of something I have to push myself into. Love it. And if talking about the dopamine cycle, if if I'm always destroying myself in the gym or if I'm always doing something that I really don't like and it it's painful, uh, or if, if I'm, for example, if I'm out of tune with my body and I'm leaving and my shoulders aching and my back's hurting and I'm in pain, it's, you know, that's going to be the thing that pushes me away from the routine and puts friction in place. So then when you're working, um, a, a demanding, when you're working a demanding career, when you're running a business and there's friction in place to train, it gets... It gets farther and farther away and it's so easy to be like, oh, I'll just hit the gym tomorrow and then Let's... tomorrow can become a week. So building that routine where you want to train, you feel good while you're working out, even when it's hard. And when you leave, you feel better than you did going into it. That's that's my thinking.
0: I love that dream outcome. And I'll speak on myself on this is that there are days that I've worked 16 hours and I go balls to the wall in the gym too. And I just, you know, absolutely obliterate and crush a workout. And it makes me feel great for a time period. But, um, you know, the individuality as to what someone or how someone finds success within fitness is very important. Like you said, what, you know, and that, that the how you feel about going into the gym, how you structure it going back and how you stay consistent is definitely an individualized Process. Um, For better context for listeners, I'll share my fitness routine as to how I go about functional training. Because Logan, you and I are on the same pathway here, and Dan is also Dan's Dan's primary reasoning for exercise is longevity um, as well. But my my training routine is something that's quite specific to me. And this is how I've been able to manage it because for the most part, yes, I own a a health and fitness rehab company and I've developed a device that allows you to exercise within 15 minutes for convenience purposes. And I'll do that about two to three times a week, but I don't count that as exercise. My exercise more looks like this. I do one upper body day, one lower body day. I do a... Long. I do two days of long endurance cardio, so long steady state cardio. Typically, that's on my Peloton. Um, That's my preferred. Some days I'm doing three days of long steady state cardio. 45 minutes to an hour has been the most beneficial for um, oxytocin and dopamine production, all those happy hormones that you get after all of your endorphins start coming out after 45 minutes. So, you know, I'd like to emphasize that. That's zone two cardio. That means your heart rate is within a certain parameter. For me, my heart rate stays within 125 to 145 beats per minute. And one day out of the week, I go again, keyword here, balls to the wall on a very high intensity exercise, whether it be a Tabata styled exercise or a HIT a style training where I am maximizing my heart rate. Up and above and then the other days I I spend to recover and and to sleep well in between um, that's personally what I have found success with to keep me very sustainable again I do still coach clients privately um, so I do I am in the gym quite consistently no matter where I'm at so I do a lot more stretching and a lot more movement than other people may and for reference my my gym sessions are no longer than an hour at a time. And my high intensity day is really only about 30 minutes. It's about a 20 minute warm up to where a 10 minute um, all out It's really only even about five to eight minutes until I literally cannot breathe and I stop myself from um, hyperventilating on the turf field that I'm on <laughs> in sunny South Florida. <laughs> Do you, um, you know, to kind of to kind of wrap this up together, um number one logan where can people find more information about you where would you like to connect you with them i mean where where do we send people if they're listening to this and they want to find out more about what you do
2: where do they go yeah they can reach out to me on linkedin they can check out our website at valdeon.com but linkedin is a fantastic place to get connected
0: so logan skis on linkedin you know check him out, see what he does. Incredible leader. I can't speak more, more about him. I'm, I'm happy we got to have this discussion. Dan is in the process of adding you immediately right now (laughs) and take it from there. Any, any last uh, remarks from anybody that that would like to to contribute to the end of the show?
1: I mean, I always have a remark, but uh, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it. Sure. So yeah, um, you know, Logan, I I love the con, you know, I love the concept of leadership. You know, I I was lucky enough. I went to work for Bell Atlantic, my first job out of college. Became Verizon Wireless, the cellular. I was there in that industry for ten years. And in that early, you know, one thing that's really important. In I had an HR guy, <clears throat> top HR guy in the country, told me between the age of twenty and twenty eight, in these formative eight years, he can look at a person's resume and tell a lot about their future um, or their capability because there's like a model of how you're going to work in the rest of your life, he says, that gets developed in your early 20s. Uh, I was lucky enough. I wasn't in the military, but I was in a military-like company (laughs) with great mentors. And that's another thing, choosing great mentors to be getting lucky enough to having great bosses and great mentors to give you the right directions and 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 get you in the right places. I would just happen to be in the right place at the right time for me personally. Um, You know, you did choose the military, but that's just one of my points is that you can make some choices. I tell this to young people, they can make choices to get themselves in the right place, to be around the right people, to get the right mentorship.
0: And that's what we're here for. We are here to provide value to the individuals who are looking to go ahead and create something magnificent and or also, but take care of themselves in the process. I mean, you know, my background, your background, Logan, Dan, your background and what you stand for. All of what we do is to provide help to those who are looking to not only advance themselves in their business, but mentally, physically, emotionally to create the best type of quality business leaders that we possibly can, right? Mm -hmm. And to help not only just advance the field, but advance you as a person altogether, um, Logan. It was a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, I think we're
1: done. Dan, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm kind of like Jordan's sidekick. I, I try to, <laughs> I don't, I don't mean to be funny, but you know, I, I really health is, you know, maybe it's because I'm 58 and I'm at an age where I have to get my health in line properly, and I'm in startups as well, like you know, like Jordan is, so that we, you know, we for me, it's important. So I'm just an observer on this podcast. That's all I'm saying. You are more than an observer. I though. mean, I'm a participant, but I'm asking you questions people really want to know. They want to know certain things, you know, about their health. And that's what, you know, thank you, Logan, for giving us your feelings on leadership. And I'm, I'm big on leadership as well. And I'm just always interested in that subject, Molly.
2: Well, Dan, it was great connecting with you, Jordan. Thanks for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of
0: Startups and Your Health. We hope you found our discussion on posture and ergonomics valuable for both your startup journey and your well-being. If you did, we have a quick favor to ask. Please take 60 seconds to share this episode link with a friend or colleague who you think would benefit from it. Your support helps us reach more entrepreneurs like you, striving for success without sacrificing health. Until next time, stay healthy and keep hustling.